Hello, this sermon audio is a ministry of the Town Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you would like to learn more about us, how to connect, or how to support us, go to our website, thetownchurch.org. While listening to the Bible preached is a healthy part of our spiritual formation, it is not the whole picture. So if you aren't a part of a local church, we encourage you to prayerfully commit to a local body of believers where you live. We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. All right, today we are going to finish out our study of the book of Galatians. This has been a really powerful study for me. I hope it has been for you too. I hope God's been teaching you. This sermon is going to be shorter. I want to leave some time after that for us to be able to share together what has God been teaching us. How have we seen God throughout Galatians? How has he been applying our study to our lives? And so we're just going to have an open mic time. I don't know who's going to come up here, but I would love to hear from you. So as we're going through, be thinking about this question, what has God been showing me throughout the study of Galatians? We started this way back in September. What's God been doing? And then we get to hear from each other. This is a way to worship our good God. We get to share what God is doing in our hearts through his word. So that's coming up the end. We're going to do a shorter sermon on the front end. So let's remember where we are. This book of Galatians, this letter of Galatians, is really one big argument. He sends it to the churches in Galatia, churches that he planted before. These are his people, so to speak. These are young believers. He sends this letter because he has heard that some false teachers— have gone into these new churches, have infiltrated them, so to speak, and are starting to spread a false gospel. All right, kids, we got lots of elementary kids in here. What was that false gospel based on? Do you remember? Is it, they said that you needed to do something in order, in addition to faith in Jesus. What was that? What's that? Yes. Just do stuff. Do good stuff. One of the hot button topics back then was circumcision. You've got to be circumcised in order to be a, a Christian, in order to earn or to keep your salvation. And so not only was it just faith in Jesus by God's grace, but it was that, and now you need to do a few other things. And Paul is irate. Because they're not just spreading bad advice, are they? It's just not a theology. That's okay, but needs a little bit of tweaking. Rather, Paul said that, that's actually anti-gospel, this, this false gospel. It's heresy. And that is only going to lead to eternal death, to damnation. He's clear in this. Chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, he even says what? Those who preach such a false gospel, let them be, do you remember this? Let them be accursed. That's strong language. So Paul is fired up. This false gospel only leads to death. But Paul's gospel, this gospel of grace that he's preaching, it leads to life. It's this It's the truth that your salvation is dependent upon your faith in Jesus by God's grace alone. You come to church every week, it doesn't earn you salvation, it doesn't keep it. You pray every day, that's not going to earn you salvation either. It's by God's grace alone by faith in Jesus. So Paul is worked up. He spends the first five and a half chapters of Galatians pounding that over and over and over again, all these different angles. And then he gets to chapter five, verse one. He says, you are freed from this legalism into Christian freedom. This is what freedom in Christ is. You don't have to try to keep the law for your salvation. You're free in Christ. But then we also don't fall in the other ditch, this other ditch of license. Okay, I'm freed from the law, and I can do anything I want. So Paul says, no, 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 you're freed from slavery to your sin as well. In fact, you're freed from legalism, freed from license to a life of love empowered by the Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. Paul makes a big case. 
Every believer is given the spirit of salvation. It's the spirit that then produces this love that's required of us in our Christian freedom. Paul's passionate throughout this letter. This Christian freedom that we use to love others, not motivated because, like we saw this last time, because we're trying to avoid a punishment, but, but, but compelled, compelled and drawn in to obey because of God and how worthy he is. It's our love for God. So Paul has been all over the place in Galatians, all hammering the same thing, all these layers, all of these nuances. So here's my question for you this morning. My question is this. How would you sum up the book of Galatians? Given all that we just quickly summarized, how would you then sum up in just, just a phrase, just a few words? How would you summarize the book of Galatians? Is it Christian freedom? Is it false gospels? Is it grace? Is it, how would you summarize the book of Galatians? In fact, what we're going to see this morning is Paul is going to summarize it for us using his very own words. He's going to give us one phrase to summarize this book, this letter to the Galatians. So this is our question this morning. What is at the heart of Galatians? What is central to this book of Galatians? Paul is about to give that to us this morning. And he's going to do it by contrasting two groups. He's going to contrast the false teachers and that false gospel, he's going to show us two motivations, two, uh, two objectives they had that's going to reveal their heart, and, he's going, to give us some, and then he's going to give us some proof. And then he's going to show us the gospel that he's been preaching, the gospel of grace, what's the heart of that, and then also some proof of why we can rely upon that. So that, that's the big idea. We're going to fly here. These two contrasts, and Paul's going to show us what is the heart at the letter to the Galatians. So if you have a Bible, please open up Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back, and Randy is in the back. He's going to pass them out if you need one. So if you, don't bring, if you didn't bring one, just raise your hand, and we will get you a Bible. You're going to need a Bible. We're going to look at a Bible every week here in this church. So if you don't have one, please take one. We'd love to gift it to you if you don't have one already. This is God's word to us. This is life for us. We're going to finish out Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. If you're able, would you please stand as I read God's word? Show respect of God's word, and then when I'm done, I'll say, this is the word of God, and you can say, thanks be to God. All right, let's finish Galatians. Remember our question, what's the heart of this letter? Starting in verse 11. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. This is the word of God. Yeah. Paul gets right after it, doesn't he? He says, look, pay attention. I'm now writing with my own hand. 
Back in Paul's day, it was really common if you're going to send a letter that you would dictate it to somebody else who actually writes it down, and then you send the letter. That's what's happening here. So Paul is dictating this letter. Somebody else is writing it down. But Paul here takes the, I don't know, what would it be, like a stylus or not really a pen? I probably should look this up. He took the instrument with which they were writing, and he himself is now writing with large letters. And he does so ending this letter in a really unique way. This is not normal for Paul in how he ends his letters. Notice what's not there. There's no personal greeting. There's no personal requests. He doesn't have any travel plans in here. He normally has these in his other letters. There's nothing of that here. Rather than this usual ending, Paul takes that instrument for writing. He writes in his own large letters. Why? It shows that Paul indeed is the one. He's the author. And it shows that this is really important. I want you to pay attention. I'm going to hammer again the heart of this letter. His, his foot does not come off the pedal here. He's going to keep driving all the way to the end. So pay attention, he says. Here is the heart of my letter to you. In case you miss it the other 20 times, here is the heart. Pay attention, my dear Galatian brothers and sisters. Verse 12. These false teachers, he says, they, they are motivated. Their heart is something very different than what Paul's heart is. Here we see it here. These false teachers that were saying you need to be circumcised, you need to do something in addition to just faith in Jesus, they're motivated by two things. Here's the two things. There we go. Here's the two things. There we go. <laughs> First, what they were doing and preaching to the Galatians this false gospel, they just want to look better in other people's eyes. They were trying to raise their status in other people's eyes. It's likely that they came from Jerusalem. So think about this. It's likely they came from Jerusalem, and the Jews or the Jewish Christians who are really legalistic in Jerusalem would not be okay with Christians or these believers not being circumcised. And so if they're going to continue to preach, you need to be circumcised, it's going to raise their status in the eyes of the Jews back in Jerusalem. And secondly, they're trying to avoid persecution. So the same thing. I'm concerned about how other people view me. I want to try to raise my status, and I want to try to avoid any sort of negative reaction when I get by what we're preaching in Galatia. Remember, the, the, for, the, for the Jews, the law was life, wasn't it? To obey the law was what it meant to be a Jew. It's what it meant to remain a Jew. So if these false teachers start preaching that actually don't need to be circumcised, if actually don't need to keep the full law, then there is a, there is a uh, what's, the, what's the word? I just blanked. There's a risk. There's a risk of them then being persecuted by the Jews back in Jerusalem. So Paul's saying, look, these false teachers, all they really care about them are themselves. It's all bent back upon themselves, both to raise status in other people's eyes and to try to avoid persecution. They're not motivated out of your good, Galatians. They're not motivated from some good theological grounding. They're not motivated because they really want whatever is best for you, but rather they're just looking out for themselves. They're, they're seeing what, what can they get for themselves. It's like they, they can go into Galatia so they can report back into, into Jerusalem how many circumcisions they got. Like, here's the score. I'm just trying to score points back in Jerusalem. It's a hollow motivation, isn't it? It's all bent back in upon themselves. God, keep us as a church from having ourselves be the end of our spiritual life. It's a powerful trap, isn't it? I feel it. 
Every time I work on a sermon and that motivation starts to be so that you all would think more highly of me, I'm just believing a false gospel. So I'm imitating these false teachers. Every time what we do to try to obey the commands that Paul had here in chapters 5 through 6, but have us as the end, so that maybe somebody else can see that we're doing these things and think more highly of us, we're just believing a false gospel. We're imitating these false teachers in that way. Our spiritual life, the, the Christian faith, is not primarily about you and me. We benefit by the grace of God, don't we? But it's not primarily about you and me. How can Paul be so sure that the false teachers are all about themselves? Well, in chapter 4, he puts it this way. He says, They, being the false teachers, make much of you, Galatian Christians, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of Jesus? God's grace? No, they want, you, they want the Galatians to make much of the false teachers. And so Paul is confident. He says here, their motivation, their, their, their proof that they're all about themselves, are they're hypocrites. This teaching is words only. Their lives don't match. They aren't even doing the very things that are telling you, Galatian Christians, that you're supposed to do. So reject it. Reject this false gospel. They're only about themselves and the proof is that they're hypocritical as words only. So what's the alternative? What's this gospel of grace? Well, Paul goes on. Paul goes on. He's going to give us the very heart of the gospel now. Rather than, than words only, Paul's, Paul's teaching and practice is so much different than these false teachers Paul is going to sum, up, sum it up for us one more time. Verse 14. Now, kids, I want to hear you give the answer here, okay? Verse 14. I'm going to, I'm going to reread it, so be listening. Uh, but far be it from me, Paul, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So rather than Paul being motivated by trying to gain more status or avoid persecution, kids, what is Paul going to boast in? Yes, he's going to boast in Jesus. And what, what, what specifically about Jesus? Starts with a C. The cross. This is, this is shocking. Paul says, rather than boasting in me getting some good ministry numbers on the number of circumcisions I got, rather than Paul boasting in what other people think about him, Paul says, I'm going to boast only in the cross of Christ. In the Roman world, back in Paul's day, you couldn't even say the word cross in polite company. This heinous tool that was used for executing the most despicable criminals, Paul says, I'm going to boast only in that. Why? Verses 14 through 16. Paul says, Because of the work of Jesus on the cross, I've now been crucified to the world and the world crucified to me. There's been a sort of death in this relationship. Paul's no, no longer mastered by the desires of the flesh that we saw in chapter 5, the desires of the world to try to just make other people think more highly of him. He's not mastered by that anymore. He's not mastered by just trying to avoid suffering and persecution not mastered by it. He's not mastered by, 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 because he was a Jew, by just the law being the way of life for him. He's not mastered by that anymore. The cross of Christ changed all that. 
and made a brand new creation. It's a new way of relating to the world. It's a brand new way of living. And all that came through what Jesus accomplished on this heinous Roman tool for executing the most despicable criminals. So Paul says, I am only going to boast in the cross of Christ. It's shocking. See, for Paul, he's no longer the center of his universe, is he? What he's been preaching to the Galatians isn't just about himself. It's not about what he can get from them. Jesus himself, by the grace of God, has replaced Paul in Paul's life. Isn't that beautiful? There's been a fundamental shift. This isn't just a tweaking of the old categories. It's not a tweaking of the category of Jew. Yeah, it's still Jew, but you just kind of tweak a little bit. It's not the tweaking of the category of Gentile or non-Jew. This is a brand new third category, a brand new creation that God accomplished by his grace through Jesus' work on the cross. And so Paul says, that's all I'm going to boast in. What a stark contrast from the false teachers, isn't it? It's a stark contrast that by God's grace, Paul has been replaced as the final end in his own life. Now it's Jesus. It's God's grace through Jesus. So whenever we try and we put in the effort by God's grace to obey the commands that Paul gave us in chapter 5 and chapter 6 because we want to honor Jesus rather than ourselves, that's evidence you're believing the gospel of grace. It's the evidence the gospel is transforming you. If I'm able to write a sermon where my motivation is primarily because I want to honor Jesus and see, have you see the greatness of Jesus, that is evidence I'm believing the gospel of grace and I'm being transformed by this gospel. It's a powerful thing. Do you, do you see the contrast happening here so far? Paul says this, this cross now is central to all of my preaching and teaching. It's not my numbers. It's not the number of cities that I went to. not the number of churches I planted. It's not, it's not even the number of converts that I have. I'm going to boast in the cross of Christ because of what that represents. Paul places this cross in, in contrast to all that the false teachers are preaching, this false gospel. The cross, this cross, think about this, is the exact undoing of the false gospel. This is the antithesis of the false gospel. The, the grace of God and the cross of Christ makes new creation. You know what that means? That means it's not you and me having to try hard. It's not you and me trying to make sure we tick all the boxes. No, he says it's the grace of God that we see in the cross of Christ. This is the perfect plan from God from eternity past to save a people and to make us brand new, to bring us back in relationship with the God of the universe forever goes to the cross. The perfect plan of our good God. Sending his son to do what you and I could never do to take our sin upon himself and then give us his righteousness instead so we can be justified before God. What does justified mean? Do you remember? Declared righteous. The holy God of the universe declares us, us sinful, imperfect people righteous forever because of this, because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's the antithesis of the false gospel. You and I can't claim we've got some good stuff we're going to add to that, to what Jesus did. 
It shows the insufficiency. It shows the, the ineffectiveness of our own work. Like, how prideful is it for you and me to think we've got to now do some things to add to the work of Jesus? It's insanely prideful, but we do it all the time, don't we? And Paul says if we can just remember the cross and the significance of it, we will not succumb to false gospels. If we can remember the grace of God and the holy, sufficient sacrifice of Christ on the cross, we will not succumb to false gospels. So the very center of Paul's letter here to the Galatians is the cross of Christ. I put it in red so you think of heart, okay, heart, like this is the heart of the letter. The cross of Christ is central to Paul's letter here to the Galatians and all that that entails. If you can remember the significance of the cross, you'll not succumb to false gospels. If, if you're here with us this morning and you're not sure what gospel you're believing, if you're not sure who this Jesus guy is, if you're wrestling with questions about Christianity, if this really speed through the book of Galatians we did this morning brings up more questions than answers, I would love to hear your story. If you wouldn't claim to be a Christian, I want you to know we are praying for you that God would draw you to himself and by his grace and not your own effort, save you and give you new life so you can experience what Christian freedom actually is. There's no other way we're praying for you. And then here in verse 17, Paul gives us his proof, some evidence to, to why we can believe what Paul has here to say. Verse 17, Paul says that he bears upon his body the marks of Jesus. How's that for a contrast to these false teachers? False teachers who want to avoid persecution. Here Paul is saying, I did not avoid persecution. I suffered for the case of Christ. In fact, I suffered violent persecution. Look at my arms. Look at my back. You see the scars there. This word for mark here, the, the Greek word refers to like a tattoo or branding on you. And back in Paul's day, that was common, that slaves would have that because it would show them who their master is. Kind of how we brand cows to show like whose ranch they are a part of. That's this word for mark. So, so think about what Paul's saying here. I'm no longer the center of my universe. I'm not the master anymore. Look at my arms, look at my back. My master is now Jesus. This is the power of the gospel of grace. It transformed Paul, who was a strict Pharisee, persecuting the church, to now having scars on his back because he's suffering for the, for the gospel of grace. It transforms it's our visions of the church. We want to see the gospel transform everything. Why can't it do it? Because it's true. This is God's grace to us. And it transforms us. And if you're a Christian, it continues to transform you by the work of the Spirit in your life. Paul has a few things to say to, uh, Christ, to the Christian Galatians there. He says, uh, peace and mercy be to you. So he commends God's peace and mercy in the very last verse, he says, may the grace of Jesus be with you. How an appropriate way to end this book of Galatians, isn't it? This book that's been about the gospel of grace, not the gospel of works, and then to end by saying, I commend the grace of Jesus to you. It's beautiful. A grace displayed for us on the cross to buy for us what we could never buy, which is a relationship with God forever. 
God, I thank you that you accomplished for us what we never could. You accomplished for us what we like to convince ourselves that we could do, that we could somehow earn righteousness before you, that somehow we could earn justification before you. But we can't. We never could. And so you took action and you sent your son and you did for us what we never could do to bring us in relationship with you because you love us, because you're gracious, not because you saw something good in us, not because we have some sort of skills we're going to serve the church with, but because you simply want to be in relationship with us out of a love for us. So God, I thank you for that. Spirit, I pray you continue to remind us of the gospel of grace, which you continue to remind us of this letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. Would you remind us of the sufficiency of your grace for us? Yeah. And I pray that you would be drawing more people, that you would open up their eyes, you would regenerate their hearts so they would see your grace for what it is, they would see the insufficiency of their own works. God, would you be at work doing that among us? I pray for your own glory and for the good of this body. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.